Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sex Sales Podcast, the podcast where a toxic, narcissistic, horrible comedian talks to a relationship therapist straight out of Gosford. We talk about all things dating, sex, relationship related in the modern world. This podcast is very proudly sponsored by Crush Organics CBD Oil. Crush Organics have a wide range of CBD oil products, including but not limited to their platinum oil, their diamond oil. They've got pet CBD oil. They've got gummies. They've got bath bombs. I've been using it for months now. I absolutely love it. Use the code NEIL for 40% off crushorganics.com. That's crush with a K. Everyone should try it, okay? If you're stressed about relationships, about sex, about anything, use a bit of CBD oil. Um, I've got shows on in Sydney every week. If you live in Sydney, come see me. I've also got a show in Melbourne, uh, December 5th at the Comics Lounge. First show I've done in Melbourne for years, so I'd love to see some of you guys come along there. Just go to neildan.com, N-E-E-L-Dan.com. Okay, Eliza, how are you? Oh my God, I just realized I owe you a vegan buffet. Why? What was the bet we had again? You don't even remember? We don't get it. No. If you don't remember, the bet's off. No, I've forgotten now. What, what? No, okay, now you have No, no. I'm busy. I'm not doing it now. I've been busy. What was it? I was supposed to go to your show. Oh, that's right. Last week. Was it? Sp- <laughs> I was on leave. I was on leave. Oh, I don't even know if I was in Sydney that day. Why didn't you come? What happened? That was when I was at the haunted house. Oh, yeah. So everyone, Eliza went to a haunted house for her birthday. Non-intentionally haunted. I'm just, I was, it was either haunted or there was a literal like person stalking us. So either way, it wasn't great. Well, maybe, <laughs> uh, what was that episode we did a few months ago where you were talking about, uh, Tantric uh, masturbation or something like that. Crystal tantric sex. Crystal tantric <laughs> sexual masturbation. Maybe where's this going? Someone, some, many of our listeners manifested uh, while they were masturbating with a crystal that their uh, oh, spirit yeah. would be with you for your birthday, and that's the uh, haunted feeling that you felt. Thanks, guys. That's really nice. Maybe their spirits are offended now because you ran away. She, is it true that you gave... What was it? It was like 2 a.m. and you left the house. So you've booked this house for uh, for your birthday. My, my boyfriend paid for it and everything. And you left it, what, and in it, the middle of the night because you heard we footsteps? Left it to, we left at like 2.30 and it's like a two-hour drive back home as well. So And we, it's not, we didn't just hear footsteps, so we got up and left. There was a whole bunch of weird shit happening, Neil. There was like... Mm. The, the place that they put on Airbnb, it only had photos from the outside. It was like this little rustic cottage in the middle of a vineyard and didn't have really any photos of the inside. We go in, there was like animal bones all over inside how, and outside. How did you know it was animal bones? Well, they were skulls. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and maybe it wasn't even. There was a locked cellar door that was super shady and had literal red splatters out the front of it. And we were like... That's Jesus. And then you go into the bedroom. The bedroom was in like the creepiest attic you have to go up a fucking ladder into. And in the attic, it was like you couldn't even stand. It was really dark. It was super hot. And it was just this creepy bed and a fucking rocking chair at the end of your bed. And so we were like, there's so many weird things happening. It was so uncomfortable. It was really hot. And we were getting eaten alive by bugs. And then... Um, were there any reviews I- for this place? 
Yeah, I read the guest. I read the guest book that was there. I mean, I mean, who even knows? Did they write the reviews themselves? So all the reviews but... were great. So you, this place was on Airbnb, right? So all the reviews were great. Yeah. And there were yeah, there were, well, were there a few reviews yeah. or was there just one or two reviews? I think there was only a few. There was a few. Yeah. There wasn't that many, but it was like it's very rustic. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. And the the scenery that it's in is beautiful. Like it's very isolated. Mm. It's in the middle of a vineyard. Um, they produce their own wine and things like that. So I can see like the appeal. And we always do farm stays all the time. Mm. So um, I think we went a little bit too rustic. Anyway, then at like two in the morning, we were getting like sketchy vibes the whole time we were there. And even Adrian was like, I'm scared. Can we go home at like 10? And I was like, no, fucking pussy. Like, let's stay the night and go out and do things tomorrow. We had all these plans. And then at like two in the morning, we heard someone walking around the house. We heard a man's voice. Um, Then my dog started getting up and growling. What was he saying? What was the voice saying? It wasn't loud enough. We could hear what he was saying. But then the footsteps sounded so close because around the outside it was all gravel. Um, and we were just like looking at each other. Then obviously, So did someone, yeah. is this kind of the back shed of a, of a property or something? So did someone no, live on the main property? No, so there's just no, a random person. that's it. That's what made it really scary. Okay. Yeah. No, fair because enough that like- you left then. That, that's... Most Airbnbs, it's like a studio you would stay in yeah. or like the house would be 50 meters. It wasn't like that. It was literally completely isolated. So and you heard footsteps we just... and muffled yeah. noises. And so when you went yeah. outside, the, there was no one to be seen. There were no more Nothing footsteps. Nothing we could see. Well, it was pitch black, like literal pitch black when you looked at it. You couldn't even see like a tree two meters away. It was so dark there. Um, oh, my like God. No street lights or anything. So we were just like... You got Wolf Creek, part three. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, I know. I was like, I didn't know I'm going to get murdered first. And I just, I know how this plays out. Um, so we left and went home. <laughs> <laughs> what was the drive home like at, at 2 a.m. in the morning? Well, it was like, the drive home was actually the best part of our whole trip away because we saw baby foxes. We saw cats. Okay. Um, we saw some wombats. We saw heaps of kangaroos. <laughs> okay. We got like... Some scenic driving. We almost hit every single one of them, but um, lots of like awkward slamming on the road. But the drive out of the vineyard was really creepy because there's no lights or anything. So you're just going down like this dirt track road in pitch black thinking like, there's a man here. So did someone hand the keys over to you or did you just have to drive in and it was open? Yeah, Yeah. no, they left the keys in a um, like a lockbox thing and said, here's the car. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So yeah. did you, you, you did you give a rating? Um, no, Adrian was like, oh, my girlfriend had a sore tummy, so we left. <laughs> What'd you do that? you got to tell them. And I was like, tell her it's haunted. Tell them. <laughs> or, tell, or tell them someone's stalking us. This, is, uh, this was a horrible experience. <laughs> wow. So, what, okay, last question. What was the, what's the closest town to this, uh, to this place? So we're talking somewhere in New South Wales. Wallumby was the closest town. Okay, is that near? Is that that's the south near, like, coast? Sort of no, near it's like Mid-a-gon? near Hunter Valley. Oh, okay. You're way off the mark. Uh, all right. <laughs> it's anyway, all gospel. Anyway, so then get this. <laughs> get this though. The next weekend, I had all my um, girlfriends come over, yeah. and we had a sleepover. There were six of us, and my dog started going crazy in the middle of the night and I hadn't told anyone that Adrian and I had left because I was he was like I don't want everyone to like ask and have to explain it yeah. like I think he was ba- embarrassed thinking I should have just gone out and be like fight me or something and, I don't and know. here you so are even... announcing it to thousands <laughs> of people <laughs> whatever he doesn't care he doesn't listen uh. <laughs> um but yeah then 
that when all the girls were here and I had sent Adrian down to Sydney to stay with his parents so we could have a girls night and then my dog started like all of a sudden going crazy in the middle of the night yeah barking growling I wasn't obviously she's a dog I don't care about like wasn't concerning <laughs> my friends were like I saw a ghost or I heard a ghost and it was it was like a paranormal thing it was just this weird energy of that whole week where people kept being like there's something paranormal but um then there was rumors about there being a ghost at my work so interesting week around halloween so you know it all makes sense and obviously there wasn't anything there but wow a lot of supernatural activity going on here paranormal and my friend was like australian version Exactly. Wait, friend- she was like, I'm Russian, so if I if there was something paranormal here, I would know. And I was like, I don't know the connection there, but I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> In Russia, we hear ghosts all the time. We go out, we shoot. Yeah. It's normal. Exactly. Ghosts of, yeah. uh, ghosts of Stalin everywhere. Ghosts like, of the gulag. I wholeheartedly believe her. She's probably right. Maybe they do. Mm. I've just like, you know how some cultures are very much like, no, this is factual. Um, which maybe it is. Uh, Anyways. But yeah, yep, I don't know if I'd call it factual, but sure, spiritual, spiritual ideas. Yes. Yeah. Um, How are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty good, actually. I feel like the first couple of weeks after lockdown, I was just getting my bearings and getting used to everything. But now everything's going really well. Um, I'm going to be traveling a little bit next week. I'll be near Byron. Huh. Uh, just oh, shooting, shooting, some, shooting some videos, shooting some videos with a mate of mine up there and that's so good yeah first uh like i said at the top of this podcast first interstate show since march i did one in the gold coast wow. and now i'm finally doing one in melbourne especially melbourne i love melbourne i uh haven't performed there for now i think more than two years maybe ne- nearly three years Whoa. so uh really looking forward to that one and i'm bringing the show that i do here in sydney so although i got destroyed in the facebook comments when i announced it um what? yeah How? just uh, like one of the People, they said <laughs> one of the comments that got a lot of likes, which made it even more embarrassing, was like, um, brown guy makes fun of every race without being called racist, Thirty nine ninety nine, And I was like, yeah, and worth every cent. <laughs> but the, the, then wow. I clicked on his profile. He's not even from Melbourne. So he's clicked on the <laughs> Melbourne link to find out what my ticket price is to, to <laughs> criticize me. And he follows my page. Uh, who the hell is, is this so guy? You. This is just sad. That's so you to go to his profile to fault his argument. <laughs> yeah, I got to feel good about oh. myself. And then another another comment was, um, "Are you still relevant?" And that had ten likes. So <gasps> I was that one. That one I heard a little bit. So you know what, guys? Let's prove that I am still very relevant. Wow. So come to my show. <laughs> Brutal. You know, if it makes you feel any better, in um, the last video we uploaded. They, there was. I think the top comment is literally like Neil is an incredibly empathetic and insightful person who cares about you know society or something like that. And then the other comment, the only thing that referenced me is like, here we go, an able-bodied person talking about disabled people. When you're not even disabled. <laughs> I was like, why is Neil get the next nice comment? Well, thank you, Someone thank you, me. commenter. You're right. Yeah, how dare right. this able-bodied person? talk about yeah i mean i think it's pretty clear like usually we say it in our podcast especially when we talk about things that are outside of our experience or or capacity or whatever that you know we're, we're not obviously the best people to talk about sex and disability when neither of us um have or i don't know 
who knows, but neither of us have a known disability that is public to the world or things like that to talk about from our own personal experience. That being said, there's nothing wrong with bringing light to something um, and and talking about an issue or, or a, not even an issue, but just talking about a topic that is interesting and a lot of people might have misconceptions of, which is really the nature of what you and I talk about in most of our podcasts, like things that people consider to be controversial, like polyamory. Polyamory, yeah, that's what we're going to talk about today. But just to add to, your, to your point there, I uh, yeah, couldn't agree more, but I also do disagree that I think I am capable to talk about anything and everyone, even if I'm not part yeah. of that group. I will yeah. uh, mansplain sure. to women what it's like being a woman because I'm the toxic comedian that started a podcast about relationships without any formal training. So if you listen to this podcast, you know what you're getting into. All right. Yeah. <laughs> and on to polyamory. So uh, this actually is going to fir- – we're first going to um, – uh, first we're going to read out a question because this question relates to polyamory. So uh, if you would like to send us a question, neilcolhacker.com slash podcast all – Money from the subscriptions goes straight to charity. And once we answer your question, there's no obligation to stay subscribed. It's awesome if you do because, like I said, all of it goes to charity, but no obligation whatsoever. Okay. Uh, Hi, Neil and Eliza. I really enjoy your podcast. I also equally enjoy your other one with Jordan, Neil. I have a fairly complex question slash topic, but I'm hoping both of you can provide each of your unique types of insight. I'm a 25-year-old woman who dates both men and women, and if I do enter into relationships, it's nearly always within a polyamorous framework. Two weeks ago, an ex-partner of mine, open bracket, who was in a mutual open relationship with me when we were dating, close bracket, sent me an extremely long and emotionally intense email expressing that her mental health will be severely affected if I continue to date a person within our mutual friend group who I'd only started seeing a few months ago because of how her how extreme her reaction was. I feel like the only thing I can do is distance myself from the new person and all of his and my ex-partner's mutual friends. I don't know what the most virtuous action would be apart from this. I just feel so lonely, painfully disconnected from all of my friends and confused now as a result. I hope this question doesn't come across as myopic. Definitely does not. As it sounds to me when I'm typing it, I'd value your perspectives. Well, Certainly not a myopic question. This is actually, uh, this is the sort of issue that I think more and more people are going to face with Mm. this increase in open relationships, polyamorous relationships. So very quickly, straight off the bat, if you're a new listener to this, uh, if you don't know what polyamory is, I actually uh, misrepresented it in one of our very early podcasts where I said, oh, you just fuck whoever you want. That's actually not what it is. Polyamory is you're uh, essentially... you can date multiple people simultaneously and there's an agreement between everyone involved in said dating partnership and there are different guidelines and rules for different people. Some people will be uh, monogamish, which is you have a primary partner and then you might, whether it's one night stands or might have sort of a casual uh, relationship with someone else and then other people are fully polyamorous where they'll have three four five girlfriends or boyfriends so uh it's definitely a trend gaining popularity at least it it feels like it is Mm. uh definitely in in sydney for people in their late 20s i'll say that much Uh, a lot more Mm -hmm. people 
maybe not so much in my uh, close friend group, but uh, people that I'm connected to, people who tell me what they see on dating apps. They, they. I was talking to a, a female friend of mine who I think would be 29, late 20s, and she was saying on all of the dating apps now, one in three people will often have something in their bio along the lines of in a polyamorous relationship or non-monogamous open relationship, etc. Even at my Sydney show, I was talking to someone in the front row and she was very open about being polyamorous and uh, definitely didn't... uh, There's a bit of a stereotype uh, about, you know, who might be polyamorous and those two people in the front row actually surprised me. And uh, (laughs) there's a whole group there that were very... uh, yeah, well, non-traditional, if you will. And she's very mm. open about it. She was just saying how her boyfriend's currently in London and she's on a date with someone else there. And um, they tell each other everything. They still get jealous, but uh, they still go through with it. So there's a lot to be said about polyamory and open relationships. And I know people, uh, this, is a, this is quite a sensitive topic for a lot of people, myself people included. People always get really upset when we talk about it. Yes. <laughs> like anything we say that, um, is in support of polyamorous. We get totally ripped. So I can't imagine what people that are actually living in polyamorous relationships, a judgment or criticism they must receive from that. Yes. Uh, so I will do my best. We'll, we'll both do our best to just be as objective uh, on this as well, because I've definitely, I've expressed my personal opinions on this and they've actually changed a lot over the last year and a half. But uh, just first, let's get to uh, M's question uh, Eliza, what are your initial thoughts hearing that question? Well, I think to clarify, because you read it so fast. Oh, sorry. So, <laughs> was she comfortable with us using her name? I said M. Oh, I thought, I thought we were talking like Emma. No, okay, no, M. her name is not Emma. <laughs> okay. Um, so M was is, is a woman, 25, mm-hmm. and she had an ex-girlfriend. Um, let's call her Polly. Mm-hmm. And... Polly and her are no longer together. So now M being in a um, polyamorous, you know, relationship is started dating a male for the last few months. And M has reached out saying, please stop dating this guy. He's our mutual, in our mutual friend circle. It's affecting my mental health. Please end things. And so now M is saying, is it better just for me to end it and then break my ties with him and our mutual friends. Does that sound like I've got yes, it? Yes, I believe that is the main gist of the question. Apologies mm. if I did read it fast. I'm just so excited. I'm so excited to do these podcasts. <laughs> Let me start it well, because I... of how extreme her reaction was. I feel like the only thing I can do is distance myself from the new person and all of his and my ex-partner's mutual friends. Okay, so it sounds like they're all part of a big friend group and... Yeah. Uh, it, my ex-partner so they've broken it's okay there is a lot to unpack here so m has actually broken up with her ex-partner polly yeah but it's she said x so yeah so but then the ex is still emailing her saying it's affecting my mental health that you're now dating this other guy who's because in our friend group which I, does make sense I, because yeah if you whether you're poly or not, if you've broken up with someone and you're all part of a big friend group and then that your ex is dating someone who you're all friends with, that would be tough. Uh, mm. However, my initial thoughts are that I don't think that... I mean, it. it's a tough one, but 
if you've broken up with this person, I don't really think they have the right to say, you, I don't want you... Again, all of this is contextual. It depends how she wrote the email. Uh, if she's sort of expressed mm. that she's feeling a lot of pain because you may now be dating someone in that friend group, I would be a bit more empathetic to her. But if she's sort of been demanding and said, no, stop dating this person. It's making my mental health take a turn for the worse. I, it's a tough one because you don't want to contribute to uh, a slide in someone's mental health. But at the same time, if you've broken up with this person, you don't really... Do you, I don't think you owe them that anymore. I think you should be able to move on with your life. And it's, it's, yes, but yeah, it's tough. The thing is that there's well, two things. Okay. First of all, there's a really big stigma against people that are in polyamorous relationships that think, well, you know, you've got five boyfriends or five partners or five girlfriends, whatever. It doesn't matter if you drop one of them. Like people, I think, invalidate polyamorous relationships and don't consider them to be as meaningful or as loving and people do perceive it to be a sexual thing so that they think well actually I can you know voice that this is making me really upset I would prefer xyz because surely she's not in love with him she's dating multiple other people people just have that you know it's a false perception but they do have that perception often and I think what's not clear is if the if M the writer is she actually in a mutual friendship circle with all of them or has she just started dating a friend of her ex so the ex is friends with this guy and now the ex is saying if you date him like you know our social circles are going to be crossing it's going to be really painful for me this is really going to impact my mental health because i that's the thing i'm not clear about is there something about the guy which is making the reason why i really don't want you to date this guy because i have feelings for him or whatever or is it, I really don't want you to date this guy because now he's my friend and it means that you and I are going to be crossing paths again all the time. This is really going to be hard for me to deal with. She said, uh, okay, so intense email expressing that her mental health will be severely affected if I continue to date a person within our mutual friend group. So it sounds oh. like it's uh, they're both friends with this with her new partner. Right. Yeah, well, that's interesting. I wonder what the reasons are behind that and if it's something that it's just like it's it's hurting her to see a new relationship being flaunted in front of her in the same social setting. Well, it would. But, it definitely would, I can yeah, imagine. Which is totally justified, yeah. It is. But to then say, yeah, that's don't date someone, that's not, that's not justified. And I think that for this writer, this ex-partner has clearly, like you can see the fact that this person, M, is writing in saying, I'm so torn, should I just do this to like, you know, to to relieve her of her anxiety and, and pain really sh goes to show that this email she's received and the fact that it's in an email as well and not like a text or something, I think it was must have been something really, really heavy. Sure. And now M is carrying the burden saying, if I may like stay in this relationship, then I am the cause of potential ex-girlfriends breakdown or or severe deterioration of mental health and mm. that's not her guilt or, or responsibility to to carry it's not i do agree i mm. also do think situations like this are tough they're not easy and it may be that you have to choose between a friend and a current partner and that's not an easy choice but it's a choice that well, life is full of choices mm. like that. And um, 
I wouldn't know which one to choose, although I'd lean towards your your happiness and if it's going to make you happier continuing the friendship with your ex-partner then do that but if it's going to make you happier uh seeing the person that you're currently seeing do that uh and yeah well doesn't even know if we're friends she might just be trying to really like prevent the the level of pain that this person's indicated like i don't even i don't even get the vibe that they're like mates her and her ex Right, right. Well, yeah, true. So they're mutual friends. Yeah, I don't know if they're actually friends there. So she's kind of like, do I stay with this guy at the expense of, you know, someone I once deeply cared about, her mental health? Um, And I think that one of the, like, important things to realize is that although I think that what this ex-girlfriend has done is kind of um, unintentionally manipulative in saying this is going to be the consequence of your action. Um, That being said, I also think the fact that you have mutual friends, that they may be slightly justified in having some judgments towards M, saying you've gone and broken up or you and this person have broken up and now you're going to date someone else in the friendship circle when you have multiple lovers, you could literally date anyone. Um, And that kind of ties into that stigma around polyamorous relationships and the meaning, how meaningful they are and things like that. Um, So I think that she will face judgment for that, especially when people, other people are going to hear about how much pain her ex is going to be in, which clearly is going to be very evident to everyone if it's that severe um so is that worth sacrificing your relationship over only only m can determine that and i know she's saying it's just been a few months but a few months is quite substantial like that's enough that's enough time to really develop feelings or even fall in love sometimes so to sacrifice that to to, you know you know keep the peace or something really you and i can't determine if that's going to be the best course of action only she can based on how she feels about this guy And to be honest, I don't even know. I mean, this is sort of applicable regardless of the polyamory situation because uh, if someone was dating someone uh, who was in a larger friend group, uh, they broke up with that person and then started dating someone who's also in that friend group. I don't... Mm. It's controversial. Either way, yeah. it's. uh, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sure a lot of people have been in that situation. I haven't, personally. But mm. uh, it's hard because she's also said, I just feel so lonely, painfully disconnected from all of my friends and confused. Now, look, if she's feeling... Okay, I wonder why she's... If she's feeling disconnected from her friends because They've because the ex-partner already... has uh, yeah. told her to stop seeing the guy and, and now she's had to take a step back from that friend group, then I would lean towards her not doing that and just continuing dating this person in the mutual friend group. But if she's taken a step back from her friends and feels disconnected because they've all said to her, look, what you've done, you've overstepped the line here. This isn't fair to your ex-partner. Then I'd maybe take into account the the group opinion there. Mm-hmm. But again, this is, there's no, there's no clear answer to this. I, uh, it's, it's and messy. And also, you need to consider that if your friends, the friendship circle's already pissed off at her, 
if M was to even break up with this guy, they're just going to take her back and be like, okay, no, you know, water under the bridge, all is forgiven. Or maybe they're saying, okay, I've seen a new side to you or I don't respect this. And to me, this friendship is damaged. So what if she ends a relationship f for them to still be pissed off at her? Um, it's a really, really tough position. And, and also I want to say though, like, um, you're not, you haven't done anything wrong though. You've done something controversial not, that yeah. people have a, you know, a right to respond to and think, oh, that's like, you know, this is tough, but you actually haven't done anything wrong. You can meet people, form a connection and pursue that. And that is something that, you know, that is a very strong value and moral as well of a polyamorous relationships being like, yes, I may already have someone, but I also have this connection with this person and I want to pursue that. And you don't have that confinement of a monogamous relationship where it's like, I can't pursue this connection. That's the whole purpose of polyamory is that you don't, you don't have those confining kind of barriers around love. Of course, there are some rules um, and boundaries, but if that's not established within your current relationships, then why should you not? It's, it is tricky. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um. I, I wish we could. Call I wish, yeah. I I it. would be interested to hear a bit more context and and yeah. information. But from what we've been given, I would lean towards continuing the relationship that you're yeah. currently in, and being empathetic in the response to your ex partner and saying, "I hear you. I understand that it would be very it would be very hard if I I can only imagine mm -hmm. if my ex started dating one of my friends, uh, but that's not." she doesn't really have the prerogative to be able to control that. So I think you, you continue the relationship with your, um, with your current partner, assuming it's all going well, assuming he's, uh, okay with it as well. And if there are issues in the friend group, uh, just be open, be communicate, communicative, and honest and then if people still are not entirely happy with you that's on them i think you have to do what you think is best for yourself and if that is the relationship with it it sounds like it is i'd mm -hmm. go with that so that's my yeah, and also the fact that her and this this new guy that she's dating they're they're all in a mutual friendship circle, so he he by dating M is going to be making the same sacrifices as well. So I think That's it's a true. decision that they really need to be coming to together because he might say like I'm not willing to give up my bros or <laughs> or whatever, um, and and and, <laughs> and then they may come to a decision together. <laughs> I love that, like a polyamory friend group that, that talks like, oh, yeah, you know, my bro dates my girl. and my... <laughs> That would be the day. Um, I also Jeez. don't think, it, I'm assuming if your ex-partner is also 25, look, you, you do have to get to an age where you accept that sometimes people will move on and maybe date someone that you could be friends with. And that is mm -hmm. life and you can't, control that again I, I can only imagine it would be extremely hurtful but i don't mm. think you really have the right to to tell an ex-partner uh this is making me upset so you should stop whether whether you directly said you should stop doing it mm. and like i said earlier it really depends how she expressed her feelings in the email as well i think if she just said i'm really upset about it and i just want you to know 
this is how I feel. I don't even know if I would call that manipulative and I've always had my thoughts on that word. I think it's extremely nebulous mm-hmm. and overused. But uh, mm-hmm. she was being a bit more uh, forward and assertive and saying, look, you need to stop dating this person because my mental health is uh, spiraling downward. I also feel very bad for her, but I don't think she really has the right to say that to an ex-partner. I think if she's feeling upset um, about that, that might be something she has to try and deal with and maybe even seek help for. But I'm really curious if her ex-partner having been in a polyamorous relationship together, if that ex-partner is still poly and if she's dating other people, because that to me would also change that perspective. Like if that partner mm. was date had other partners as well, the ex, I'd be like, no, no fucking way can you tell me not to pursue this. Like absolutely not. But if she was, you know, I, I'm now monogamous or I know I'm single and alone. I would say, okay, it's, I understand that you're really hurt and you don't want to see this like relationship in your friendship circles. I understand it. Not that M's doing thing, anything particularly wrong, but I still would get it. But if she had, you know, five other partners and then saying, you know, I can date whoever, but you can't date this one person because I know him. I would think that's unfair. Yeah. I mean, maybe a compromise of some sort can be reached where, uh, if they're going to a friend gathering as the couple, they tell each other in advance and maybe they limit their social media posting and don't, uh, you know, mm. shove it in her face, how happy they are or something like that. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it's messy and I would lean towards continuing the relationship. But let us know in the comments if you haven't clicked out of this one already because it's about polyamory. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to read the comments, but M, you can read the comments on this one. Um <laughs> And let us mm. know, Em. Give yeah, us an update. Definitely. Sneak us an email or hit us on Instagram and tell us where you're at now or, or, or what's happened since. If you can summarize, what would you be your... Because you've had a few thoughts on it, so would you... To summarize, yeah. if I had to put it into like a piece of advice, sit down with the guy that you're currently dating, see where he's at, see what he feels as well. And if you're both at the position where it's like, I feel this relationship feels really good and I feel really, you know, secure and and I'm enjoying this, then don't stop it. Um, don't stop it for the sake of trying to save someone else else's mental health because it's really kind of not to the same depth, but it's along that line of this kind of narrative that people often say where it's like, if you do this, then I'll become suicidal um, and and do this where it's not fair. Like this is... Her own emotional burden is her responsibility, not M's. And um, so it's not up to M to resolve any mental health of her ex-partner. Especially considering they've broken up. Because I yeah. think it would be different if yeah. they're still in a polyamorous relationship and then yeah. then she starts dating the friend and yeah. she says, oh, I'm not comfortable with that. That's very different. Uh, or mm. if you're just in a monogamous relationship and you say, hey, what you're doing is hurting me or it's uh upsetting me uh that's when i have an issue with the yeah. the this is manipulative narrative but because yeah. they, they've broken up there's still a certain uh just civility you can have towards an ex-partner where you should mm. 
take into account their feelings, but to what degree is that responsibility still on you? That's the that's the question. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, uh, Em, I hope that helped. And like Eliza said, love to hear a, an update. But polyamory in in general. Now we've definitely done podcasts about this. I think one of our first few was all about open mm. open relationships and, and polyamory. Mm. I've definitely. Where are you, you know, at now? With I, this? You've gone through a roller yeah, coaster. Yeah, so. <laughs> Talk us oh, through man. the history. I, look, I don't know at the end of the day. The best uh, opinion on polyamory and open relationships I've heard so far is Jeffrey Miller who said, look, if up to 10% of the population in a large city are doing it, what's the big deal? It doesn't dramatically affect mm. society. It doesn't dramatically affect you. Let them mm. experiment. Let them hopefully enjoy it and have fun with it and learn how to navigate something as complicated as having five boyfriends or girlfriends it's not for me right now uh i never had a i've never been in a polyamorous relationship i mean i also wonder if polyamory is just putting a a word on what a lot of people are doing which is casually dating a lot of people who they actually have an emotional connection with but they'll say oh i'm just i'm just hooking up with multiple people and you think are you really you've been hooking up with both of them for months it sounds mm-hmm. like you have a semi relationship with them uh so mm-hmm. i i sometimes mm-hmm. feel like polyamory is just uh categorizing it and and even intellectualizing what is a casualization well, if anything it's actually less casual because it's saying no there's a there's a there's a serious responsibility that comes with each of these partners as well and um i'm sure you follow the holistic psychologist on on instagram and recently she uh yeah showcased that she's in a thruple uh so and and she a lot of people unfollowed her and and it's fine i have every right to but i just uh i don't know if i'm in an echo chamber being in um Mm. the arts in sydney i'm sure i am uh i would love to hear uh, people from not not the country but smaller cities in Australia uh, is there a lot more open relationships and, and polyamory and, and things of that nature going on mm. I suspect that it is it's also very different to swinging it's also just different to an open relationship I I tempted mm. that last year ended horribly as uh, <laughs> you know long long term <laughs> listeners would know and yeah, that that did made me that made me reflect a little bit on what my personal views on it and whether I'd want to do it again right now. No, <laughs> um, I'm mm. in a very happy monogamous relationship right now. Mm. But is your current g- girlfriend is she like f- has she always been monogamous and said to you from the get go, I want to be only monogamous? She she wanted to be monogamous with me now, and I'm I'm pretty sure she's always been mm. monogamous. I think she was once dating someone who was who that person was in an open relationship but i think she's right, always been yeah. just been seeing one person at a time yeah. yeah uh it's a very uh controversial issue i heard a podcast with a guy called i think wait wait how are you finding the monogamous life yeah great do you feel satisfied with it yeah yeah right now i always felt i it was always a long-term thing for me i just hear yeah. so many stories about unhappy marriages relationships uh the 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 classic trope of uh sex dries up and 
you end up resenting each other and so many issues. And so I thought I wasn't trying to, most people think, well, you, you, you're being selfish and maybe, maybe there's a part of it that is selfishness, which you, you're looking out for what actually might be best for you in the long term. And there, there are conflicting um, studies about that because they show mm. uh, monogamous marriages. In, in, but when you get to your uh, elder years, you show uh, high levels of happiness, but mm. there's so much dysfunction and uh, broken marriages, broken relationships, and mm. and the technology that we have now is just making monogamy harder and harder. Not that that's an excuse ever to, to cheat or to stray, mm. but I thought it's my mid-20s, I'll try something, and there's so many things I could have done a lot better and differently. <laughs> and yeah, you learn from that. But uh, yeah, right now I'm, I'm, I'm happy in a monogamous relationship. I like... Uh, the sort of the stability of it, the consistency, and um, the sort of organisation of it, and yeah, what are, yeah. what are your thoughts on it? Uh, just well, in general, this brings back so many. Well, it brings back so many memories of like my first ever conversation with you, and we had this debate about yeah, this no, very topic. Yeah, it's like as well, birth, sex, cells. Yeah, in a, in a space <laughs> of a like, year, I change. You were like my ideal situation would be oh, like. A committed and loving monog like monogamish relationship where yeah. once a month or once every couple of months you have that freedom to go out and Get do laid. this and yeah. and yeah hook up and I was like but what if she's pregnant <laughs> what if she's at home with yeah, the baby so. you're out fucking some hot chick and she's post baby with her bodies you know this <laughs> and you were like okay fine when she's pregnant I wouldn't do it <laughs> well even then why is her well why would her feelings uh, why should that because she might not be able to me? do that she might not be able... <sighs> but why That's, yeah well this is well if you look at the relationship as a, a whole look I wouldn't do that now I I think if I had a pregnant partner I wouldn't I'd probably be monogamous but why if if theoretically it was a honest uh, a open relationship and she was postpartum and her body was clearly going through a lot and and should the man then, ta if they are, again, this is all hypothetical, if they are in an uh, open relationship, because she doesn't have the ability to, why should then the man restrict his ability to, assuming he's done every other role uh, adequately as part of the relationship, she, she feels secure, she feels like she's emotionally connected to him, then, I don't know, it's, he's got a weekend off. In Melbourne or something, why? Then why he not? can use that time to, if he's got a weekend off. Then he should be using that time to support the child. Mm. And but this is me from a very mon I'm a very monogamous sure. person, so it's hard not to. I'm very biased in this scenario. Although when I was looking through the polyamorous um, uh, hashtag on TikTok, I came across this video of this woman who was seven months pregnant. And her husband, who I will say looked very depressed doing so, but he was shaving her vulva um, for her to go out on a date with this new guy. So she's like heavily pregnant okay, no. and he's there going like, no, that's actually no. it looks so sad because <laughs> she couldn't no, do it herself. 
No, I'd, I'd like, agree oh, with all. I'd agree with the commenters there so, who were like, if, you, "If you're polyamorous, you're a cock." And I'd normally disagree <laughs> with that, but if he's shaving her vulva, that's. I yeah. mean, look, if it makes them both happy, I guess. Uh, why should I be upset about that? But uh, just just hearing that, yeah. I do. Yeah, feel, so I don't know if like it's if toxic masculinity, but that uh, feels very, very emasculating to me. That's that so was the thought I, when I saw I the like video that. of this guy, <laughs> and she said to him, "What do you like? If you look at the hashtag, you can see it. It's like three videos down." And she's like, "What are you doing there, babe? Like for the purpose of this video?" And he's like, "Shaving your vulva." And she was like, "Why?" And he's like, "Because you deserve." you know, happiness or you deserve to do. Was this a skit? Like what this you sounds like, like it but was he, a, No. Was this real? So, it's real. It's real. It's wow. real. I'll, I'll find it and send it to you afterwards. Um, and yeah, but you know what? Like in this scenario of the woman's just had a baby, she might say like, babe, you've like supported me so much through this. I'm so appreciative. Go have a weekend. I'll have a, if she's so for like supporting that and is like, please do it. I'd love a night off like alone or something, Mm. then go. That's fine. But I think that, you know, in most circumstances, people that just had babies are extremely hormonal, vulnerable, sore and injured. And my God, when I put that myself in that position, if I saw my husband going out then to like hook up with someone, I would, (laughs) I would slap him to Tuesday. Like, no, just kidding. Verbal and Mm. physical abuse is very bad. But I'd be furious. Like, I would be so angry mm. and so insulted. Um, sure. But, but that's it. then he's cheating. I'm talking about, hypothetically, it's an, it's an open marriage or relationship yeah. or whatever it might be. But even then, it's like you have to make certain, like, sacrifices yeah. throughout the point. Like, I think that a lot of people that have breaks from um, polyamory or open relationships or they'll say, like, you know, I've for the next month while you're going through this, like, you know, or going through a health scare, I'll be here to support you, like, by myself without going out, you know, going on this cruise to mm. Italy with this other guy I met, which I, which I think is, you know, an important part of that because I, often people in polyamorous and open relationships have a, like, a, I, don't want, I don't know what the word is. It's like, I don't want to say a main partner, a primary partner. Yeah, I think that um, is... Although that's becoming less common, I'm seeing. So that's interesting. It's hard to gauge, again, because we're in a space where we're probably much more exposed to this sort of behavior. Yeah. But I think uh, another good argument I heard well, against it, which did make me think, is that, all right, this is great for people who are middle class, upper middle class, who are financially stable, who have the time to date four or five people and date them properly and and not just hook Mm. up with them actually care about their um emotional well-being and have a strong relationship with them but for well for either working class people or for families or Mm. just for uh people who may not have the financial means or just the ability to uh date multiple people how does it affect Mm. them now Theoretically, you might think, well, I'm doing me. Why does that have any bearing on another person who I've never even met? But I do wonder if, uh, okay, I'm sure people in the comments and there's a, there is, a, I guess, a conservative argument to say, like, how is this going to destabilize society, right? And then that could be taken to a degree which does become, that does sound a little bit 
resentful and maybe like you're projecting and, and there's so mm. much projection that would go on in this It's like Jordan Peterson being so against. Yeah, it's it's one of the things I actually don't yeah. necessarily agree with him on. Uh, yeah. I I, li- I, li- I really still like the Jeffrey Miller argument, which it just seems yeah. so reasonable to me. It's like, okay, look, in a city of 5 million, if uh, 10% of the people who uh, reside in this city are polyamorous, what's that, 500,000? Well, assuming that you have to be within da- yeah. dating age, so let's even say this. T- let's say ten thousand. What is that? What does that matter to you? Okay, there's no destabilizing factor to society. Yeah. It doesn't really affect you personally. Mm-hmm. You just put it in the app. I'm polyamorous. I'm in an open relationship. And look, maybe in fifty, sixty years, they've figured out a way to do relationships better than um, our current mm-hmm. monogamous uh, interpretation of it. Because there's a lot of issues with monogamy. I mean, so much dysfunction, and and again, that's not that doesn't mean you don't do it, but. I think a lot of millennials and, and Gen Z are just looking mm. at the, the, the stereotype or the just the uh, usual path of a long-term monogamous marriage and thinking, well, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be in a yeah. sexless marriage in my 40s and 50s where we both resent each other and only stay together for either financial reasons or for the sake of the kids. Um, I think that though we have to differentiate the difference between an open relationship yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. and and like polyamory. Polyamory is I can pursue other relationships and fall in love with multiple people. And open relationship is here and there I might go out and have a, a sexual non-emotional commitment to someone. And I think that polyamory holds equ- equivalent, if not more, of this. Uh, potential relationship breakdown or drama because you're not only managing one person's emotions you're managing multiple and if you go through like the hashtag on um tiktok every single polyamorous relationship that's you know out and open is always one guy with two girls and everyone i know that's polyamorous (laughs) is one guy with two girls um and and sometimes another girl (laughs) so one guy three girls and They've told me really? because in, okay. it's very common in the vegan communities, polyamory, especially polyamorous men. I know a lot. Every a man I know that's... I'm, a ve- I'm I know, vegan it's and so, polyamorous. <laughs> literally, it's so weird. Like, I don't know that many vegan men. Um, I know like a few. Um, I would know like at least 50, say. But half that's of vegan men yeah. that I know... A polyamorous. Well, it's, a, <laughs> it's so interesting. It's a similar sort of progressive uh, ideal yeah. that I'm guessing if you're attracted to uh, the progressive, the, the modern yeah. ethics surrounding veganism, yeah. you'd also be attracted to yeah. the sort of modern ethics surrounding polyamory. Uh, I know one person on my Facebook feed who is uh, vegan and extremely conservative and, and pro-Trump, and I think that's an interesting person. They're not a stereotype. <laughs> I'm obsessed with people who aren't stereotypes. So you sound just like my dad. Then that's an interesting. He loves the controversial people that have yeah. like all these contradicting. Kind well, of, I, I yeah. just think then they've they've well, in theory, they've thought about it a lot and they've yeah. actually made it as close to a rational judgment as possible. Having said that, I actually mm. don't know I, knowing this person vaguely. But anyway, we've said we're not going to talk mm. about too many people in our personal lives on this podcast because it always gets back to them and they get mad so uh (laughs) yeah (laughs) um okay so the the conversation i had with uh i think his name is rob henderson he's really good and he did a podcast with uh 
Jordan Peterson. Oh, I gotta do one podcast where I don't mention that man. But they were basically looking at the trends and the statistics, and I'm for the, for the sake of the rest of this podcast, I won't just focus on polyamory. I'm just going to talk about monogamy versus non-monogamy. Now, a lot yeah. more people are non-monogamous than they realize. If you're casually hooking up with someone and you still have the ability to casually hook up with other people, you're non-monogamous. Basically, unless you're in a committed uh, relationship where you can't have any uh, yeah, sexual escapades with anyone else or uh, even a deep romantic emotional connection with anyone else, only then are you monogamous. Uh, anyone else, if you're just looking for something casual, if you're uh, even if you're just single technically – you would be under the umbrella of non-monogamy. And so the argument, it's, it's, it's often just uh, polyamory that's attacked a lot, uh, a lot when, when realistically you have to look at this whole umbrella of non-monogamy and say, all right, well, is this a net positive for society? And look, statistically, a lot of people are unhappy with the current dating climate. A lot of people um, mm-hmm. are suffering from loneliness. Uh, there's an increased sense of atomization and and we're on these apps and there's a lack of emotional connection now. I think that's overdone. I wonder if in another 10 years when uh, the, the generation who are teenagers now have just fully grown up with dating apps and can't compare it to what it was previously and look fondly upon running into each other at the cinemas and finding love that way, <laughs> however people did it, I don't know. But uh, I wonder if then they actually have the mentality of, oh, this is bad for society and this is unhealthy. Um, Thinking about fertility rates, we did a podcast on that previously as well. You have to ask the question, is what's good for me personally good for the country, for the nation, for the globe even now? So there's all of these other questions that come into it. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I think if anyone has a strong emotional reaction either way, which I always did, Maybe that's something that you could be projecting. You know, I, I was really mm-hmm. attached to the idea of like, yeah, I'm in an open relationship and oh, I've read all these books and looking look at monogamy, it sucks. I don't want to do that. So, which is like a very mm-hmm. cliche and cringy. So, uh, look, whatever works for you, if you do it honestly, if you uh, are loyal and stick to the rules, whatever the rules of a given relationship is, then, then you do you. I... Uh, I also wonder at what point you have to accept that this is now not some trend, but this may even be, whether it's the norm, a plurality of people or uh, a larger minority of people are doing it. Let's say in a, in mm. a large city, maybe 20 to 30% of people aren't in a, or aren't looking for a strictly monogamous relationship. Well, then you can sit there and criticize it all you want, or you can, you, you might have to adapt. You might have to adapt your behaviors and, if you are looking to find a, a mate and uh, just have sex, whatever it may be, you, you might have to take into account this is the environment I'm now living in. I have to adapt accordingly. And I think mm. there's a large community of people who still want to go back to what it was. Yet my criticism of that general uh, mentality, it just seems to come across like, oh, we want to go back to what it was when men were the – not necessarily the head of the household, but there was a sort of commitment and people really stuck to each other. And even when the going gets tough, they didn't just call it quits. But, or but, that there's no risk that your partner will just find someone better sure. and be able to pursue that. And, and, <laughs> and also just geographically, when everyone's in a large city with 
Well, when a lot more people are in large cities with uh, just, well, quite literally millions of single people, it's very different yeah. to when you lived in, in, in a town of even 10,000 people. But you can't simultaneously want to go back to a traditional way of dating and, and relationships and marriage and then also be really in favor of uh, men opening up and talking about men's issues, which are often associated with uh, men's emotional health and mental health, because that is then a new progressive you could call it a progressive sort of idea. And then it does sometimes come across like, all right, you want the best of both worlds. You want men to be really, to be able to be really open and vulnerable with their feelings. But then we also want a traditional marriage where men are masculine and the women are led. And I think, you get, well, then if you want that, you've got to be very masculine and be the breadwinner and be this alpha kind of guy who comes home with, calluses on his hands and makes 200 grand a year mm. well like go for it man like, and then don't open up like that's mm. i don't think you can choose both though and, and it just sometimes it does come across that uh there's at least from social media comments it seems like people want both and that mm. is something i'm somewhat critical of i try to look up if if it's if people actually you know suspect that it's gonna grow and become the new norm um and statistically apparently in in the u.s those that identify as polyamorous is between four and five percent of people which is quite large Whoa. um really so those are people that have named themselves as being i'm polyamorous 5%. so that's interesting yeah um and surprising. but then everything i was looking up and i was trying to be very very objective in looking this up said mm. that it's unlikely that these trends will continue to grow um, for a lot of biological factors. Um, the interesting one was about how unremarkable the penis is and how the testi testicles are so small that really it shows that a man's capacity for bearing multiple children through multiple women is because their testicles are so small, it means that you sh you should be more conservative with <laughs> the sex that you're having and all these things that the I thought hell? was funny. The, but, wait, wait, wait. Okay, I have to reference what? this before people come. His <laughs> name, the guy that has done this study, his name is David Eng 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 Bar E N G B A R, and he said that. <laughs> Everyone in his research, so he studies tribes and animals and um, like those kind of influences in human psychology. Uh -huh. And he was saying everyone is inherently monogamous, but with an urge to sleep around. But people okay. are misinterpreting okay. that as we should be open relationship. And so then he was saying that based on the, the testicle size, which compared to a gorilla, which can be up to 300 grams or whatever, the human testicle size in comparison to his body demonstrates that they are more sexually conservative and therefore should not right. or cannot be, you know, spreading their seed across hundreds of or, you know, tens of women. And that it means that based on the fact that their one penis size is quite unremarkable and testicle size is considered small as well I mean, speak for in comparison to body and brain speak for yourself bro <laughs> then um <laughs> then that would indicate a, a monogamous bio biological like 
shape and form however then when taking into the social aspects of it there's all this research that shows that amongst tribes um polyamory increases conflict and when in when conflict is increased then productivity is decreased and then jordan peterson this is his this is his view this part is in a study yeah but he says you know if one man can have five girlfriends or five partners he's going to be quite desirable in this day and age he's going yeah. to be you know pretty something fucking special to say i'm going to go from being you know majority of us are monogamous to now dating this person mm. and sharing him across and he was saying that then that leaves five four other angry incels before men yeah. yeah that do not have partners mm. that are going to have increase and then what I thought was really interesting is that during the time where I don't, when China had the one child policy and then, you know, they had to often they were choosing to keep baby boys rather than um, a lot of baby girls ended up in orphanages. And during the period between 1998 and 2004, when this was happening and now that, you know, basically the the the, the men doubled um compared to girls that were being birthed and brought up had some pretty there was a lot more boys yeah, dark stories. and then the crime rapes the cr- rapes the crime rates also doubled because there were no women to date these men so that was an interesting aspect as well so jordan peterson yeah. and, and a lot of other people say society functions a million times better on a monogamous you know, basis oh, that's what I based said last on year and you didn't agree. <laughs> violence and this and that. And they're not, don't even take into account though, that like our society also limits severely people that are in open relationships, like being on a, you know, buying a house and being on a lease and, and yeah. marriage and all these limitations that people, and people are very like, you know, quick to say, yes, gay rights, gay marriage which obviously i support but then say no to this kind of marriage because it makes me uncomfortable i refuse to allow it so very like you know they have a lot of limitations that they're faced with in our society it's not set up for polyamorous couples or or not even couples (laughs) thruffles could and people let's say sure and uh that is the strongest argument against it it's Mm. it's a destabilizing factor for society yeah and with uh the agricultural society we still take well mm. okay the, the now whatever you want to call it the civilization we currently live in uh what's the most conducive to bringing up children as best as possible i mean again though i i still feel like if if okay if it stabilizes at that five percent what's the big deal that's not that's still yeah, a minority exactly. of the population doesn't affect you okay that you might see a few more in film and tv and they can maybe again in a hundred years who knows they could say no look it's actually Mm -hmm. great for children there's we're figured out a way that all five six of us can can raise these children together and uh before uh tribes understood the link between insemination and and pregnancy they didn't what would happen in polyamorous tribes or in just hunter-gatherer tribes is they wouldn't even know who the biological father was because that many men all share the burden yes but that sort of tribal consciousness doesn't exist if you're gonna date if you're gonna Mm -hmm. date multiple people but you don't have a connection with the other people that your partner is dating you don't really have that tribal consciousness where you're looking out for everyone in the tribe you're still looking out for Mm -hmm. yourself so 
we still live in a relatively individualistic society and and then to put polyamory and open relationships on top of that that's that's uh, risky, I, I think. But again, like good on the people who are doing it. I actually encourage certain people. If you, if you're if you think you have the temperament to do it, I'd love for you to do it, yeah. and then and then come back and report what the best way to do it is, and and how. And if yes. you did fail, well, tell us like what went wrong. We can then learn yes. from it. Uh, and those statistics are very interesting. The societies where uh, there are a lot fewer men who are able to couple off yeah there is a lot more violence there's a lot more uh destabilization and and i guess mm. well uh the, the modern femi- feminist argument against that might be well that's cultural that that shouldn't sort of you shouldn't control women's sexual behavior because men get violent when they're not getting laid but then y- you wonder how much of it could even be biological you classic question mm. that we and always then what ask happens if it's lgbt like does that sure. shame men that aren't coupled with women are violent what if they're men coupled with men is it just the fact they don't have a couple or person to couple all of these things but if you write into us i'm particularly interested in hearing about men that are polyamorous and their partners have a polyamorous and straight and their partners have other boyfriends because that i have not come across i've only ever on internet and people i know seen men with multiple girlfriends and then their girlfriends having girlfriends <laughs> so i'm interested to see if that kind of innate yeah, that sounds, masculine that's the way biological that competitive yeah <laughs> but so yeah i mean let me know like every 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 guy i talk to about this is just like look i'm happy to sleep with other women but i don't want her sleeping with yeah. other men so I know. uh yeah that's the classic thing you got to if anything, that's you. You are sacrificing. That's why I do get. I uh, and I probably mm. need to look into that. But I got really pissed off when people would say, "Well, you're just being selfish." Well, you are also. Yeah, sure, you're being selfish for your own sexual needs, but you are also allowing a lot more freedom for a, a partner that you are in, yes, in that you inherently want to restrict. So there's an argument yeah. either way. Now, mm. um. I was watching a video about how the Catholic Church in the Middle Ages actually introduced, um, well, the the a, a, a different version of marriage, or they said, yeah, men could only have one wife, and that dramatically improved England and the stability of Europe in the Middle Ages. So, so we can even go back that far and and say that okay, because yeah. throughout a lot of history, post agricultural revolution, there was just a lot of warlords who would mm. impregnate hundreds of women. So this guy who you're talking about here who says, oh, okay, men should be conservative. I mean, tell that to Genghis Khan. There's 50 yeah. million direct descendants of Genghis Khan today, and there's a lot of warlords like that if you look throughout history. So mm. uh, culturally yeah, deregulating monogamy, if you want to call it that, which I called it in the initial Intel's podcast, mm. and someone they got, got a lot of messages uh, but if you sort of the cultural deregulation of relationships, okay, who does it benefit? It benefits men at the top of what what Dr. Mm-hmm. Peterson would call the dominant hierarchy. That's ultimately mm-hmm. who I think it's the best for. Uh, I, I don't know if it's actually the same for, for women at the top of that hierarchy in their respective gender. But now because there's also a lot more uh, openness of uh, – bisexuality and and pansexuality and and just the lgbt community in general um yeah i i i I do wonder if it just it's almost like capitalism for sex where just uh Mm. because we've if we do casualize it and again not just talking about polyamory here 
uh, if we just uh, not have the same cultural shame and uh, ideas about mm. uh, monogamy and loyalty, well, we, we all know the stories about Bill Clinton, how he just slept with thousands of beautiful young women because he was extremely powerful, extremely charismatic, extremely rich. He, I mean, he's the president. He's the most powerful person on the planet, arguably. And what happens then to society if there's if there's maybe hundreds of those sorts of men and then look the statistics do suggest that is what will happen and you know your anecdotal evidence here saying that on tiktok it's usually one man with multiple women um that is uh it it's a conundrum that also brings even more i would even maybe argue uh, modern feminism to a little bit of a roadblock there because again it might say okay well maybe women do have to restrict their uh their sexual needs if say they're in a monogamous relationship but they maybe want to seek out other partners but overall for women in the society it's better if we just stay all stay relatively monogamous so well that's an interesting point is that all this you know research saying it's better for men if we stay monogamous so what about for women so well, the argument is that it's better that, for women too because that. it's 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 very stable oh and, well yeah bearing children yeah. And, and all this biological it, it will be interesting to see in time how this changes because one obviously we know children are decreased like the rate of people wanting children is much lower than what it was so mm. maybe they're like well if you take away that you know the inclination for babies and i don't need a man to keep me stable i can do it myself and also another interesting aspect as well as when i was talking about you know jordan peterson saying the most masculine or dominant or desirable man will get all the women if this is how it was but all the men i know that are um poly every single one of them is like more on the feminine side than they are on the masculine very in touch with their emotional very like very spiritual and and like are they confident to connect. Are, they, are they are they confident not always no no no, so interesting. It's, but I think that that's just maybe in well, this is in Sydney, Australia, that I knew all these men. <laughs> so I think that you know that is actually saying something that women um, in the in the city are attracted to men that are really like in touch with themselves and stuff like that. But then working out in Western Sydney, it is not the same no, not. <laughs> to, to the girls I work with to the girls I hang out with in the city. So. You know, it's it, that was very cultural um, reference, yeah. but that's all I've experienced. It's interesting. Yeah, there's a whole podcast there about uh, mm. often we hear, oh, we want men to be in touch with their feelings. We want men to open up. But then a lot of men who say they do, uh, they yeah. uh, talk about the negative We've response. done a podcast on this. Yeah, why I'm men sure. don't open up? Yeah, we've done. Yeah, we've done. It's a, a good one. Yeah, we actually because it's been now nearly eighteen months. We can re-explore some of the early podcasts yeah. we did because they're topics that now all over TikTok I see people talking about this sort of stuff. I know it's like we started so, this eighteen months ago. Yeah, <laughs> Just yeah. kidding. It was started well of, before our day. <laughs> ahead of the curve. Um, look. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, what the most appropriate thing is. I right now I'm at a I'm at a point where I, I like the Jeffrey Miller argument. I can't see any yeah, major flaws with that. Um but we will we will see in another five to ten years if the trend continues. 
Um, mm. If it doesn't, if there's a if there's a backlash, and look, it's not like this is completely new. There was the hippie movement in the '60s, and then even in I think the 1910s and 20s, there was a sort of group of bohemians that were quite prominent in I think it was New York who all were lovers mm. with each other, and often mm. it starts in artistic circles and in the upper class, and then whether or not it trickles down, whether it's trickle-down culture, whether it trickles down mm. to the masses is the question, which... That's a good point. Look, mm. Yes. There already is a major casualization of, uh, of dating and of, uh, and of sex, and mm. it's a big reason we do this podcast. So let me know your thoughts in the comments. I'm not going to read the comments on this one, though. I'll read them. You can read them. I'll read them and report yep. back. Okay, report no one back say anything offensive about me because no. I'm sick of it. Say what you want. Like, I'm never going to tell people not to comment, but I just know when it comes to this issue, um, there's a lot of uh, emotion and uh, probably not going to read them. That's all. That's all I'll say. And also, please keep in mind when people... Often what I see when we come back to a topic, which is understandable, people come at us in the... In this, uh, in the comments, of being like, you didn't talk about the biology, you didn't talk about this, but the thing is, we already spent two hours doing it in a previous podcast, so we're just kind of like revert back. <laughs> anyway, yeah. doesn't matter, I guess. Yeah, I mean that's very fair. Sometimes we we exclude yeah. things or we forget about things or we don't talk about a prominent part of a of a topic. So by all means, do tell us. But it's not yeah, that we've like willfully we're forgotten episodes something. In. We we can't be an expert on every single topic that um, we no, discuss. I am. <laughs> speak for yourself any final uh so m please report back tell us how it please, went yeah. uh i'm now i think pretty indifferent to polyamory and and open relationships i think if you want to do it go for it uh if it works well for you let me know your secrets because i want to know <laughs> how do you deal with the jealousy all sorts of things read sex of dawn I read yeah. that three and a half years ago now, and I remember it was an extraordinarily impactful book. So mm. if you do read it, just beware that uh, we will be really confronting Your views at some will point. Change. So yeah, maybe don't read it <laughs> yeah. if you don't want it. If you want to stay in a if happy, monogamous relationship, yeah, uh, yeah, don't do it. And watch that podcast that uh, I think his name was Rob Henderson. I can't remember exactly, but uh, yeah, watch that podcast he did with John Peterson. It was quite an interesting one, and, and they both made really good points and. Um, I think I talked about this on a on a previous podcast, but the idea of luxury beliefs, the idea that uh, there are certain mm. beliefs that the upper class hold now, which is a way to convey their status, mm, when historically mm. it was usually uh, garments or uh, status items, mm. whereas now a lot of people who are extraordinarily rich will wear jeans and a t-shirt, but it's about the beliefs they have to signify their wealth and and whether or not so that belief actually yeah. is good for society as a whole. And it's very hard to actually disconnect from what may be good for you personally or what you might think is good for you at the, at a given time and whether or not it's good for society. Mm. And there's certain things that you just wouldn't know as an, one individual in a city of 5 million and in a globe of 7 billion. There's just certain things that you might need to look at collective wisdom over time and... Just be honest, whatever you do. If you're in a relationship, be honest and do your best. And if you do make mistakes, learn from it and tell other people because then other people can learn from it. We don't talk about the mistakes we've made in relationships, whether they're monogamous or non-monogamous enough because 
you know, we might be embarrassed about it. So by all means, please just tell your friends about what you did wrong and, and then... Or can, tell me. Yeah, tell Eliza and then you can prevent uh, other people's heartbreaks. So uh, thank you very much for listening, guys. Uh, if you'd like to send us in a question, neilkohacker.com slash podcasts. All the money goes to charity. Um, come see me in Sydney. Come see me in Melbourne. I'll be going to other cities soon enough. And follow Eliza on Instagram if you haven't already. Um, subscribe to my YouTube channel if you haven't already. I'm trying to grow that one. And get some CBD oil, crushorganics.com. Use the code NEIL for 40% off. We will see you next time. See you next week.